FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 136 of the podcast that goes snicked. 130 snicks. Yes, right. You may hear a certain voice, but do not despair. It is still a flashback episode. Yeah, Cameron got lost in the wormhole. <laughs> this is going to be a Wolverine Year 12, Part 1. Ooh. And I'm your host, Jason. Fireproof undies, Venable. <laughs> and I'm joined by uh, our normal, regular co-host, Denise Lack beard shadow skin venable. I really should stay out of the sun. <laughs> well, I thought it fit. You do lack a beard. Yes. No, no beard. You're no. not the bearded woman. No. Nope. And you have at least olive complexion. So that's. I mean, you're more shadowy than me. Yes, baby. I am the Anybody pale rider. More shadowy than me. <laughs> My regular lotion is tanner than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm the ghost face killer. <laughs> ghost rider. That's right. Um, but yeah, anyway, we're going to talk about uh, just a few issues here on Wolverine Year 12 Part 1. And we have Uncanny X-Men 198, 199, and giant-sized annual X-Men number 9. And giant, they lion. Yeah, it's pretty beefy. <laughs> Yeah. Where's the beef? There's some fat in there that needs to be trimmed off. (laughs) Maybe so. But. But. But nothing. Let's talk about some comics. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Okay, so first up, we have a couple of issues of Uncanny X-Men. Remember when we last left off, they were getting ready to go to Secret Wars 2. And they did some crazy stuff with the Beyonder, and now we're, we're back to the regular X-Universe. We're going to pick up with uh, Uncanny X-Men 198, which is Life and Death Part 2. Uh, basically, we're going to see where Storm went after she went to Africa. Um, remember, she lost her powers. She's out trying to rediscover herself. This is written by Chris Claremont. Art by Barry Windsor Smith, which this will be our first... Uh, I like his name. Yeah. It's very distinguished sounding, very noble. Um, Mr. Barry Windsor Smith, please. Right. So this will be his first uh, time to draw Wolverine on the inside of a comic. Of course, later, he will do some pretty um, iconic and, dare say, legendary Wolverine stories. At least least one in particular. So it's kind of cool to see kind of his first uh, stab at the character. Because Wolverine wasn't in Life, Death, Part 1, which is where... uh, Right after Storm lost her powers and had a little fling with Forge. Anyway, the cover is also by Barry Windsor Smith. And on the cover, we have Punk Rock Storm in a Storm. Yeah, she. I actually kind of like this cover. Sleepwalking, apparently. <laughs> no, she's sleep floating. Oh, true. But she has her arms straight out like a zombie. Well, like an, like an her, old school zombie. She has her feet pointing out straight, too. Yeah. It's a pretty cool cover. It's very detailed. Of course, Barry Windsor Smith is usually pretty hyper detailed. Um, and I love the color work. He always does interesting color stuff. Um, what do you think of the cover? I loved it. Yeah. I actually, so the inside made me wonder if we'd get a little Art Nouveau-ish. 
just based on the color palette that's used. Um, okay. They're very analogous colors. And I was kind of right. It has, it's not completely Art Nouveau, but there's hints of Art Nouveau throughout it. Uh, the way her her drapery flows around her and the way they kind of draw wind. It's not exact Art Nouveau. I'd almost say it's like an interpretation or their interpretation of Art Nouveau. Huh. Okay. I don't really, I always think I like the really thick like outlines and the, the images being more two-dimensional and this seems uh pretty what i'm referring to art nouveau is yes you're right art nouveau is very thick lines very coloring bookish but art nouveau is also indicative of all the lines seem to be alive and have a mind of their own okay and that's sort of what this reminds me of like i said it's sort of my interpret i kind of feel like this is art nouveau and impressionist impressionism shoved together and they had a love child all right well, you're the art major. I will take your word for it. <laughs> I'm sure there's some art major out there like, I disagree. Oh, well, then write in and tell us. Tweet at us. Hit the Facebook page. Tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. Anyway, basically, we see a powerless storm wandering through Africa. Uh, she has kind of a, a what was it? Not a spirit quest, but um, yeah, like a spirit quest, a dream walk, wandering through the desert. She gets. May or maybe doesn't get bit by a pit viper and have a poison fever dream. But she sees the X-Men and she sees Wolverine. So Wolverine's not really in this. He's just a hallucination. Or is he? Ooh. But um, but I really like his involvement. Because basically, Storm's trying to decide whether she wants to live or not. And we see Wolverine lighting up a cigarette. Which I love that panel and kind of the um the light and shadow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And it's like snicked. Remember these, which is just a great line. <laughs> no, I completely forgot about the giant adamantium claws that right. are housed in your and he, arms. And he hugs Storm and puts his puts his hand up to her heart and says, "Say the word, and I'll pop him if that's what you want." But she's like, "No, I choose life." And then she has a staring contest with the snake, and the snake leaves. So I guess she wins. Um, so she continues on her walk about. And she finds a destroyed bus. And there's a lady in there, the only survivor. And she's pregnant. So I guess there's two survivors. So she takes the girl back to her village. And it's very traditional, not modern. They, they practice the old ways. Storm helps deliver the baby, uh, which is very, it's a very complicated delivery. And then the old village leaders are like, there's only, we have exactly enough food for these villagers. When one life comes, one must go. And he goes out into the desert to die. And Storm kind of talks about, I don't, like, I feel in touch with the old ways, but I don't really get them. Um, Like, they speak to me, but I'm also something else. And she kind of, basically the conclusion of this whole story is that Storm decides she's a bridge, a bridge between a couple of different things, a bridge between, like, the old ways of nature of, you know, because she was the old goddess when Professor X found her. She was out in Africa, raining on villagers and kind of being like the weather god for them. Right. And then, so she always kind of has that that elemental, that being part of nature. And then she felt like she lost that when she lost her powers. And she also felt like she was kind of losing that when she was leading the X-Men, that she was having to make some tough calls and be more realistic and less optimistic about some things. And she decided that she doesn't have to be one or the other. You know, we had a couple of really cool issues where she had kind of an identity crisis, like who is she going to be? And this is kind of her, at least 
temporarily for now resolving that, saying she can be both. She can be the in-between, between the optimism and the realism, between the old ways and the new ways, even between, you know, as now she, she's still technically genetically a mutant, but has no powers, so between humanity and mutants. Like, she's, she's a go-between, and she embraces that role, and I just thought that was really cool. It is really cool. That's pretty much it on this one. I thought the art was... I do have really, a beef with it, though. Okay, what do you have a beef with? I have a beef with the way Wolverine, but I get he's a daydream or a nightmare. Oh, he has a hallucination. He has a function in her dream to get her to where she needs to be. Yeah, I just don't think that's very Wolverine. Like, here, just say the word and I'll kill, like, my best friend. (laughs) Right. And so that, to me, was hokey. I think, you know, Chris Claremont still kind of struggling between the Wolverine who's like, I don't care. Everybody die. And, and you know, the guy who's like basically the emotional backbone of the X-Men, which he kind of turns out to be. So I agree. I don't think it's super Wolverine, but I do think it, it fills a purpose in Storm's progression. No, I can't even see it. Okay. But she needed to react. She needed to be offered the chance to take the easy way out so that she could refuse it and decide that she wants to embrace life. I think there could have been a better way, but okay. you can chalk up Wolverine to being a hallucination. Yes. And say that that's the only way he would have done that. And I guess I'll buy it. Okay. Pseudo buy it. Anyway, I like the art. What did you think about the art? I thought the art was great. Um, and then there are parts where I was like, what is on her face? But yeah, the I rain and the blood kind of looked, I think, you asked me if she had face paint on at yeah, some points. It, it looks like she had face paint, like she was doing a gem wannabe type <laughs> thing. And she then did have a pink robe on she for did, some reason. Showing a lot of cleavage, like gem. And yeah. she had a big belt, like gem. There's <laughs> <laughs> her guitar, I, yeah. She uh, has white gem. hair, like gem. Jim had light pink hair. Thank you. Oh, okay. So, um,. <laughs> Storm has light pink and blue hair. Some the shadow, yeah. Yeah. Like Jim. Right. How many other ways can I say like Jim? I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't overly fond of her attire, but she's in Africa. She's kind of doing what she wants to do. Yeah, I I'm gonna say the art's middle of the road. I had there were panels that I was really in love with and I thought were gorgeous, and then I had other panels and I was like, What what is going on? Especially when she's delivering the baby and it looks like she's hunched over and the other woman looks demonic. It's just weird. Alright. I really enjoyed his kind of I African en- art. I enjoyed like his with the split. costumes and the the ceremonies and stuff like that. Yeah, I love the split panel where they were trying to show you like it's hectic. Like, there's people outside dancing. She's in there trying to deliver the baby. Right. You know, so... Well, I, that reminded me of a movie. It did. Like, and I appreciated... Kind of a cut scene. Yeah. I appreciated all that. Oh, I also really liked Storm's journey and her kind of self-realization, embracing the different parts of her culture, you know, the African part, the X-Men part. I thought that was all really cool. What do you want to grade Uncanny X-Men 198? I'm going to give it four out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it five out of six. Of course you would. (laughs) All right. Well, that takes us to Uncanny X-Men 199, which is The Spiral Path. Written by Chris Claremont. Art by John Armita Jr. and Dan Green. 
Orz and Parker do the letters. I know that's Tom Orzakowski and someone Parker. And then Glennis Oliver does the colors. The cover is by Ramina Jr. And what's on the cover? So on the cover, we have Rachel, but as the Phoenix. Yeah, and it says, born again. I don't think that means becoming a Christian. No. (laughs) Not in this context. No. In fact, I didn't even see the Phoenix until you sat it down. I think because I was so... On the one behind her or the one on her chest? The one behind her. Oh, okay. I think I was so enthralled trying to figure out what this black shape made that... Oh, you're looking at the inverse. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what is it supposed to be? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, so basically it's Rachel exploding into the phoenix and she has a big flame bird behind her. I love this cover. I don't. Really? Oh, I think yes. it's fantastic. I love the color work. I like kind of the abstraction of her transformation. I think it's really, really cool. No, I I can't stand Rachel with the mullet. I Well, no, her hair is terrible. <laughs> I don't like the digital pixelated thing that's going on with the weird... Well, I, I can promise you that's not pixelated. Well, no, it, I'm sure it's pure ink, but that sort of dash line, dash, dash line... Uh, I want to know Morse code, see if I can figure out if there's some <laughs> phrases in it. There probably are. I Yeah. You know, I just, buy this book. Buy I this th- book. I think I've seen better covers. Okay. It's not my all-time favorite. Well, no, it's not my all-time <laughs> I didn't know we were judging every cover by whether no. it was our all-time favorite or not. No, but I'm not even, I've just seen better covers. Yeah. Like, right. this is this is a little bit below middle of the road, but it's not the worst cover I've ever seen. Wow. Okay. Well, we will agree to disagree. So what happens in a... That's what we do all the time. Right. Uh, marriage Advice 101, agree to disagree. That was actually in our wedding vows. Pick your battle. <laughs> yes, about ranch dressing. Yes, because someone doesn't like it. Not at all. And someone loves it. <laughs> anyway, Weird so... No. All right, so what happens in 199? Now, wait, I got to say this. It's weird that you don't like sour cream or yogurt or anything that looks like ranch dressing because it's white or yeah. mayo. And it's not ice cream. <laughs> it's not ice cream. <laughs> that seriously, I had a hard time wrapping my head around. Sorry. It's fine. I just think it's slightly bizarre. Well, you don't like pickles, so what do you know? No, they're bastardized cucumbers. Cucumbers are gross. Pickles are awesome. (laughs) All right, moving on. Moving on. The spiral path. We're going down the downward spiral. Let's go back up the spiral path. So we find Scott in the danger room, and he's pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Yes, he is. He's just taking names and whatever that saying is. Then you kick ass first, and then take names of the asses that you kicked. Yeah, and so... So you can look back and remember them. So Moira and Wolverine are sort of behind the scenes in the danger room. And they're like, all right, Scott, you're done. Come on up. But uh, Scott's got a little visitor and it's Rachel. And she's like, um, I really need to talk to you. But at the same time. You're kind of my dad, but kind of not. Yeah. So Moira's like, hey, this can wait because we really got to talk to Scott. So Scott leaves and she's like, look, um, so we need to talk about. Xavier, he's dying. Yeah. <laughs> Bombshell. Bombshell, totally. So after he got mugged and, you know, the he- the Morlock healer healed him, but he didn't have time to recuperate and he's pushing himself too hard and he's basically killing himself. Yep. And so basically she wants uh, 
She explains that's why Xavier brought Magneto into the school. Probably he's training him as his replacement. Scott gets a little offended by that. Scott's like, oh, hell no. I'm handing this over to Magneto. Rachel gets upset. Scott asks, how long does Xavier have? And Moira says, hopefully he'll live long enough to see your baby be born. Yeah. And of course, anytime anyone mentions the summer's baby, Rachel freaks out. Yeah. Because it reminds her that this is not her timeline. Nope. Because I'm having a boy. And I'm not a boy, I don't think. I don't know. I have a mullet. (laughs) (laughs) So then we flip over to the home of Valerie Cooper, who is special assistant to the president of the United States. She comes home from doing our grocery shopping to find herself sitting on her couch. Whoa. What? Whoa. Whoa. But really, it's Mystique. Yes. And Mystique's like, hey, guess what? So um, I'm going to play on your side now because everybody's after us. Right. So I offer our services to impersonate Ronald Reagan. Yeah. No, she tries to say, if you don't like this face, what about this face? So she goes through all these faces. And finally, the assistant says, you know what? All right, deal. But you have to hand over Magneto. And she has a very weird look in her face. She has a very super like evil grin. Yes. Yeah. And basically, that's that's her test. She's like, you want to prove you can be our kind of mutant task force? Well, Magneto is the most wanted mutant on the planet. You bag Magneto, you got a deal. We'll hire you. Yep. So then we flip over and Rachel is now at the cemetery visiting her mother's grave. And she's having weird flash. These are flashbacks, right? Or flash sideways? She's walking around her old, her mom's hometown, seeing her parents, and then she sees like old images of what happened. Right, and she's kind of freaking out. I thought it was psychic residue, but I guess she says she got all that info from the X-Men files on the Phoenix. Yeah, but the way it's drawn, it does seem like psychic residue. Right, like she went to the house, and the house remembered what happened, kind of. Right. Yeah. Which actually... Is cooler. And should have been. Well, it's cooler, and you know, they say, if you believe in haunted houses that there's two types of hauntings there's residual hauntings and there's intelligent hauntings intelligent obviously meaning whatever's haunting your house wants to get your attention and residual hauntings is where you've done a task or there's been a traumatic incident that's happened in an area that it leaves like a footprint and so that energy just repeats itself that's why a lot of people say well If you go on haunted tours, they'll say, well, this woman's always seen peeking out the window. Well, that's because she must have peeked out the window like a hundred times. And so it's considered a residual haunting. So I kind of liked the way this was drawn because it reminded me of what would be a residual haunting. But it wasn't. Nope. So end rant. (laughs) Yeah. So she gets real emotional because she sees her mom and dad bringing her home. Yeah. So now she sees her own memories. From her timeline. So then she decides, she picks up this orb. Yes. It's a... It's a Shi'ar holometrics or what is it called? Yeah, you can pronounce that. Um, Holempathic... Holempathic matrix crystal. So this has like genes... Essence in a crystal ball, basically. Right. I think when we first saw it on the flashback episodes, we called it the Jean Grey Snow Globe. (laughs) That's awesome. But it not only has her essence, it has the phoenix essence. Yeah. Possibly, or at least that's the way Rachel interprets it. I'm still unsure whether this, I mean, we know what eventually happens, but in this issue, it's still unclear whether this is her actually interacting with the phoenix power or just kind of part of her 
psychic imagination still. Well, she picks up this little Jean Grey snow globe, the I hate Jean Grey snow globe. (laughs) And she basically claims that she now has the power and the name of the Phoenix. Yeah, in a pretty awesome panel. This didn't bother me. The cover bothered me, but whatever. See, and I even like her little outfit with like the Phoenix coming off her shoulders. But apparently it's too much for her and she collapses. Yeah, and then the Jean Grey snow globe breaks and or falls and breaks. Yep. Uh, then we flip over to Washington, D.C., where there's a special reception at the National Holocaust Memorial where yeah. Kitty is going to say some words for her grandparents. Uh, great aunt, was it? Or... Her oh, no, grandfather. her grandfather. I'm sorry. Okay. But she's looking for her great aunt. Right. She's looking for her great aunt, but her grandfather was in a camp. And so right. she's hoping that somebody knows something. Yeah. And this couple comes up and they're like, oh, we we happen to know this person, but she died. Yeah. But they also knew Magneto. Magneto helped save them. Yeah. And so, and I kind of like this touching moment of Magneto getting back in touch with where he was in a hol- on a Holocaust camp. Which is kind of where Magneto realized he had powers. In the movie, yeah. Oh, okay. Is it not that way in the comic book? Uh, it's kind of been retconned to fit that, yeah. Okay. Um, At this point, probably not. So while they're all chit-chatting over really horrible times that brought them all together, guess who shows up? It's the secretary of What's-Her-Face, which is actually Mystique. She's here to take Magneto in. Right. And they fight, and everybody freaks out. And Kitty's more worried about, like, we can't damage the museum. Right. And But they do. Well, and it, I do like that Magneto says he's magnetically pushing people out. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, like he's, I like that tender side of him. Well, yeah, I mean, usually like Professor X will mentally nudge people out, but now he's, I guess, using the iron in their blood, like in the movies, and kind right. of like, oh! <laughs> like, they all got the shakes as they walked out. Right. Um, and then we have the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Freedom Force. Oh, but they were the Brotherhood of... <laughs> they were, but now they're government-sanctioned. Freedom oh. Force. And they have a new member who I hate, uh, Spiral, from the Mojoverse. I, I don't like the Mojoverse. So. Well, and they've got Destiny, who's telling everybody where the X-Men are going to be. Right, when they're going to fight next. Because the X-Men show up and they continue to do more property damage. Yes. And what I find interesting is, is as Destiny's telling people, this X-Men's going to be over here. This X-Men's going to be over here. Kitty's like, she must be so distracted telling people where everyone's going to be that she doesn't even know I'm behind her. Right. But Destiny to herself says, oh, no, I know. Come and get me. Yeah. She's like, this is where I step out of the picture. Right. Which doesn't make any sense because then... Because then she they can't tell them what to do anymore. No, and then the so why would she intentionally winning? check out? I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Right, because now the X Men are winning. Yes, my favorite part of the whole comic is when Nightcrawler teleports the Blob on top of the Washington Monument. I love that. He's like, help! <laughs> Which I love. Nightcrawler's like, I've seen you fall. This yeah. won't hurt you. No. But then. Mystique puts a gun to Magneto's head. Yeah, because and how can she put a metal gun to Magneto's head, you ask? Well, because spiral stupid energy bands took away his power temporarily. What? <laughs> anyway, Magneto decides he's... I wish Spiral was just a crazy, like, 
Savage land chick with just just her power was having the arms. Like she doesn't need all the other mojo crap. She just can kick butt because she's got six arms. Later, she just becomes like a de facto teleporter. But now she still has all these crazy mojo powers. Weird. Anyway, Magneto decides he's going to go with Mystique. Well, he kind of looks around and says, he kind of laments that he kind of let himself engage in the fight because he looks and is like, what have I done to this place? Right. I came here to remember the Holocaust and instead I've scared all the people who actually knew me as a like a human as a person, right? Not just and Magneto, as a hero. right? And he wasn't just Magneto to them; he was Eric Lyncher or whatever, and he ruined all that. And he, he it really kind of he realized that, and he's like, "No, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to go face my justice, my judgment, and freedom force. Y'all can y'all can arrest me." And so that's what Mystique does. Yeah. So sad. It is sad, but I really, really like it. I really like Manito taking responsibility. Um, yes, I do like that. Kind of saying, you know what? Like, I don't want to be a villain. And if I'm not going to be a villain, I have to answer for what I've done. I, I can't just say I've changed because I'm still responsible for this, this stuff I did. Right. And if, if you just want to move forward, and especially like if I'm going to work with the X-Men, I can't still be Magneto the villain. I have to like have retribution and i don't know I, I really like the path or this phase of this time period of claremont's magneto is very interesting to me yeah i really enjoyed this whole book just because of magneto's portrayal yeah and how crazy rachel's going right like she's literally on the verge of losing it yeah oh that was pretty cool so i thought the art was okay not ramina's best no. issue it's kind of middle of the road yeah, and I usually love to sing Gwyneth Oliver's praises, but I thought the coloring in this book was a little bland. It's really hard for me to judge colors in this old in the older books because the colors have faded. Yeah, but even still, though, we've seen some really gorgeous work out of her, and there's there is some like the transformation of Rachel into the Phoenix. The colors are amazing, and the coloring like in the in the ghost stuff. But then you have panels like. Most of the fight scenes, you have this weird thing that looks kind of like Secret Wars 2, which came out at the same time, where you just have random kind of background colors and everything's, I don't know, very flat looking. And that's not usually what she does. So I thought artistically this book was not up to the Uncanny X-Men standard of the time period. I would well, I don't really know much about the art time period, but we've seen better. Yeah. But I thought the story was mostly pretty sweet. So, what is that going to average out to? Well, for me, I gave Uncanny X-Men 199 a very strong 4 out of 6 clause. I, too, gave it 4 out of 6. Okay. Well, let's move on. Moving on. Okay, so next up, we have a giant size annual number 9 of the X-Men. 9. Number 9. 9. 9. Are you, are you saying no? 9. <laughs> No. Nine. This is There's No Place Like Home. Oh, man. Care Bears and Thundercats. Oh, the ad? Yeah. yeah. An ad for Star Comics where there was Meet Misty. It looks like Dorothy. But with blonde hair. That's weird. Then Care Bears and Thundercats. Yeah. That's when those comics came out. 
course, Star was a branch of Marvel. That's neither here nor there. This is not the podcast that goes Care Bear Stare or Thundercats Ho. This We're is, the podcast that goes Snickety Snack. Snickety Snack. Snickety Snickety Snack. Wolverine has got your back. <laughs> anyway, there's no place, <laughs> no place like home is written by Chris Claremont. Pencils by Arthur Adams. Inked by Alan Gordon, Mike Mignola, and Art Adams. Tom Orjakowski is the letterer. Petrus Gotees is the colorist. Now, I don't know, because in a couple of episodes, we'll cover another thing that Art Adams does. And they came out around the same time, so I'm not sure which is first. But one of them is our first foray into Art Adams' Wolverine. Of course, he'll do some pretty iconic Wolverine images, one of which was on a t-shirt forever. Would that be... The same image that's on your T-shirt? No. Oh. Oh, well, actually, one of those, that is also Art Adams. So I have a T-shirt with Art Adams. But there's another one. If you remember when we did Japan's Most Wanted, yes. there was that guy wearing the Wolverine shirt. Yes. That image was also based on the Art Adams image that I saw on T-shirts growing up all the time. Okay. So we get we get the fabulous Art Adams back in his 80s glory, which mostly looks the same as his current almost glory. Um, he hasn't really evolved a whole lot over the years. But, hey, I love his old stuff. Um, anyway, he also does the cover with uh, Walter Simonson doing the inks. It's a pretty cool cover. We have Thor Storm swinging her hammer around in the X-Men and New Mutants kind of around her. Now... Big uh, confession. This is part two of a story that I did not read part one. Uh-oh. So apparently after Storm had her revelation, she came home, and even though she doesn't have power, she's going to help train. And so she's kind of decided to be in, while well, Professor X is off trying to not be dead. Right. Um, Storm is going to teach the new mutants. And so a new mutant special number one, which I do not own and have never read. Shame. Storm and the New Mutants get kidnapped by Loki, and that's kind of where we pick up here. So, with all that in mind, Kitty wakes everybody up screaming with night terrors. Turns out it's no nightmare, but psychic messages and images that she's receiving that are driving her a little nuts. Rachel shows them telepathically to the whole team. The X-Men take a somewhat logical leap to assuming that Loki has kidnapped Storm and the New Mutants and taken them to Asgard. Huh? As a loophole to get his revenge on the X-Men from the X-Men and Alpha Flight miniseries. Oh, that makes sense. Where he promised to leave them alone. Right. But now, yeah, the New Mutants are not technically X-Men. So he can mess with them. Yeah. And I don't think Storm was in that story. So she can't hold him to it. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a way to get back at him. Rachel wears an updated costume, upsetting every last single X-Men. <laughs> and Cyclops uses... And yet they're not upset over the mullet. Well, no, it was the 80s. Oh, she had a businesswoman haircut. <laughs> and Cyclops uses stupid Archons, stupid lightning bolts to take the X-Men to Asgard. Stupid. Yeah. If you don't know who Archon is, he was from... A weird X-Men annual, and I think an Avengers story before that. And it's going to, funny enough, or maybe not so funny, going to be one of the focus characters in Jason Aaron's Secret Wars tie-in, Weird World. Weird World. Weird World. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Party on, Archon. Um, anyway, uh, meanwhile in Asgard, the new mutants conspire to rescue Storm from Loki, but Loki gave Storm some magic golden feathers to fly, so she's kind of happy as a room without a roof. Okay. Because she's happy. Um, Loki's plan, here's his big plan, is to replace his brother's or half-brother Thor with Storm so he can rule Asgard by her side. Does he love her? Mm, Has there been talk of marriage? Has there been talk of where the relationship is going? (laughs) They have not had a DTR. But he gave her some... A DTR. What is a DTR? Define the relationship talk. Did we have one of those? I think we kind of skirted around it a few times. It's mostly a teenager thing. Or a college thing. This is really big in college. Really? Oh, maybe. I guess I missed that. <laughs> oh, it's when you say, are we boyfriend or girlfriend or not? Where's this going? Are we going to see other people? Are we Are we exclusive? Are we going steady? Do you want to wear my underwear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never had those conversations. <laughs> uh, where was I? <laughs> DTRs. Oh, yeah. So the X-Men get mixed up in some story with a wolf prince. Wolverine, Rachel, and Kitty cosplay as Asgardian... That's weird to say. As Asgardian buffoons to scout the city. (laughs) They look stupid and ridiculous. Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Rogue, and Colossus try to help the wolf prince find Wolfsbane, his wolf mate. Wolf, wolf. (laughs) They also find Magic, who is acting as a new enchantress. But then Loki finds them, and of course, captures them. Eventually, Nightcrawler teleports free, then touches Rogue and Cyclops at the same time, Whoa! giving her both their powers. So she teleports free and optic blasts Loki. But Storm comes in and interferes. Loki tricks her into seeing enemies instead of X-Men, so of course, naturally, she sides with him. Wolverine and his band of X-Men find the rest of the new mutants but are attacked by Loki's beast, two of whom happen to be the wolves. Wolf's Bane and Wolf Prince. They all get away, but Wolverine gets bit by a dragon, which is poisoning his blood at too fast of a rate for his healing factor to interact. I'm sorry, to counteract. Darn dragons. Yeah. So, while Loki has a banquet to honor Storm... Cannonball goes back to Loki's base and frees the X-Men. I'm sorry, the captive X-Men. The other, all the X-Men together attack Loki. Loki presents Storm with a new hammer, Uru. She takes it, regaining all her lost powers and more. Wolverine tries to get through to her, but at Loki's deception, she fries him. Fried Wolverine, baby. Flip it over, he's done. Hela, the Asgardian goddess of death, shows up to claim Wolverine's soul, but Storm defies her. And she gets distracted and leaves to go fight an editor's note regarding Thor. Storm then confronts Loki, but he made the hammer, so no dice. (laughs) Doesn't really work against him. He's hammer proof. Hammer time. (laughs) Can't touch this because I made the hammer. (laughs) Um, then Kitty gets all up in his face and Loki says, okay, you can go, but as you were, all the powers you all got here in Asgard will not transfer. They're non-transferable. 
Because this whole time also, by Service the way. Service fees now apply. Yeah, I guess from part one, the new mutants, when they got to Asgard, like, Loki granted all their wishes, so they all had, like, magic stuff or whatever. Magic farts, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and rainbows. Yeah. But Storm rejects him. And Loki gets super pissed, but it kind of turns him on. Loki needs some help. Yeah. So he sends everyone home and then makes himself a Storm doll. The end. Weird. <laughs> That's an episode of uh, Criminal Minds right there. Right. So I got to say, I really like the uh, X-Men lineup by Art Adams. The rogue has some pretty wild hair. She looks like a skunk. Kind of, but she kind of does anyway. Um, and the New Mutants all have the same costumes. They kind of look the same anyway. I do like, even though I don't like Warlock, I do like how he's kind of bent his head sideways to fit in the picture. Yes. And I do like the dragon around the title. Yeah, I like that too. I also like on page two when Colossus hears Kitty screaming and he runs out of his room and transforms into metal. We all, me and Cameron always joke about how he, he's always ripping his PJs and he always wakes up in the middle of the night and transforms into Colossus and his PJs get ripped. Well, in this one, Art Adams actually draws in a little rip sound effect. I thought that was pretty funny. I wonder if he buys the same outfit like Several times. I just hope he owns stock in the PJ company. That's, that's all I hope. So Wolverine jumps out. He's mostly fully dressed, but we have a take charge snicked, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh. So while Rachel is reading Kitty's nightmares, it looks like her knee is Kitty's boob. <laughs> yeah. So she's kind of like, right, so sometimes when we're in bed, Denise will like, Lay in my lap and I'll give her a head massage, like when she has a migraine or whatever. Yeah. You know, because I'm a good husband. That's right. Well, this is kind of that same pose, but Rachel's knee is sticking out beside Kitty. <laughs> and it literally, like when I first turned the page, I was like, whoa, <laughs> teenage boob is not cool, Art Adams, but it's really just Rachel's knee. It's her knee. In, in front of Kitty's chest. Yeah, that's a horrible knee placement. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sure some 11-year-old got a boner. But Ooh, boob. Yeah. I really like the uh Asgardian Storm by Art Adams. It's a cool design. Yeah. The black version with the cape and everything. Which man, Asgard has a lot of capes. Yeah, they do. Then on page four we get super racist Madeline Pryor, where they're looking at the vision of Asgard that Rachel pulled from Kitty's mind and Maddie goes, um, do you think that black woman can be Storm? You know, they all look alike, right? Forget the fact that she has a mohawk. Right, yeah. And actually not, does not, look like Storm. Not, do you think that woman with Storm's hair and powers, do you think she's Storm? No. Do you think that black woman is Storm? <laughs> Thanks, Madeline Pryor. I love you. You're awesome. Hey, she is a clone of Jean Grey, so. Oh, are you kidding me? I <laughs> no, didn't know that. not at all. Yeah, she's on my hit list. Yeah. So, I agree that Rachel needs a costume. She's been running around in her stupid leg warmers long enough. But I'm not sure this is it. <laughs> Besides offending all the X-Men, it's just kind of dumb looking. It looks like Firestar's outfit. But, yeah, but worse. <laughs> it was like her first try at a costume. Well, it's really bad to me, too, because, now granted... I applaud that the whole thing's not spandex because having a whole spandex costume is kind of dumb. But having like the yellow and red and then the gold metallic boots 
It's not just a little bit different yellow. It looks stupid to me. And I don't like how the phoenix bird on her chest is like cut out, like into a low, low cut dress. Yeah. I, I don't like the way she's drawn either. Yeah. She's overly hippie and she's got weird thigh muscles going on. Well, part of that's Art Adams. Kind of his pre-image image style. He loves to do... <laughs> I'm sorry. But he really does love to draw people's noses. He has a fetish. There, there's several like up-nose panels, yes. And he, he outlines it in white and it just... Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's like... Well, literally, if you just want a good sample... Just open up to page six and seven. On page six, you see, you check to see if Cyclops has any bats in his cave. That's right. And then at the bottom of page seven, you do the same thing with Sunspot. Yeah. Weird. But I do love his giant smiles, which if you look on page nine, we have Sunspot with a giant smile. And then we skip over to page 16. We have Storm with a giant smile. A huge smile. Yeah. But I like it. It's kind of cartoony, but it works for me. And on the other page, you have, who is that, Kitty? Upper nose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Up your nose with a rubber hose. So then on uh, page 17, the X-Men are lounging around in the forest trying to figure out what to do. And yes, of course Wolverine has armpit hair. Yes. He's a hairy dude. He would have armpit hair. Glad we detailed it out. (laughs) No, my favorite is when he gets dressed into the... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So when Wolverine puts on his Asgard costume... Oh, my goodness. Like, he looks totally like a bear. (laughs) When I got to that panel, I was like, I know I don't have my glasses on, but what the hell is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Like, whenever... Club all the bears hang out in in Dallas. Like, this is who they're looking for. I think someone needs to give Wolverine a razor or a wax. <laughs> he needs a good waxing. No, no. Bears don't wax, babe. They embrace their manhood. It just cracks me up. Yeah, no. All these Asgardian costumes are stupid. And I kind of like the rogue in black bodysuit with green tank top. It's super 80s, but it works for her. Yeah. Oh, I also like Wolverine talking about how he's not scared of death. Which we get that a lot, but yeah. just like I just want to make sure I go out the right way, basically is what he says. And he's talking to Kitty, trying to get her to kind of suck it up, basically. Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. So then on page, uh, skip over to page twenty-four. I guess for New Mutants fans, this kind of first sneak peek at Doug Lock is a pretty big deal, but I cannot care less. Don't really care about either character all that much. No. Sorry, hate to be a grouch, but. I'm just, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast a lot. I'm one of the rare X-Men fans my age that's kind of pretty meh on the new, the original New Mutants. Love Cannonball, but, you know, whatever. So, page 29, Wolverine has a pretty badass spirit face. That looks mean. Oh, I didn't realize that was his spirit face. Well, the, the Donnie Moonstar sees, it'll kind of be explained as something else later. But, oh, okay. Like a premonition of his impending death. But she thinks, oh, because she can, she can cast like spirit animals. That's one of her powers. That's why her codename is Mirage. Gotcha. And so she's like, oh, I guess I can see them too. But I've never seen Wolverine have that. So. Interesting. Then we get our Star Trek crossover. We have the Warlock Enterprise. What the hell is that? It's Chris Claremont's The Love of Star Trek coming through. 
Warlock can change its shape into different technological Is that legal? things. Well, it doesn't say USS Enterprise anywhere on it, so yeah, I think so. Okay. I really like also here that Kitty steps up for Ron, uh, or Rain, however you say it, Wolfsbane. That's easier because I know that's right. Uh, <laughs> and no smart ass don't run in and say, it's Wolfsbane, because it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I can say that. But anyway, Kitty kind of takes the tough love speech she got from Wolverine and gives it to Wolfsbane. And, um, Banier. Yeah. Whoopsie, Banier. And she kind of uh, gets her to kind of face her fears because she was really scared because Loki turned her into a werewolf slave and she doesn't want to do it again, but she has to go fight Loki. And Kitty kind of pulls her up, gives her a, a pep talk, and she's like, all right, let's let's do it. <laughs> so, so when they all go to the banquet and they're in different Asgardian disguises, for whatever reason, Doug Locke is disguised as a comic strip Hagar the Viking. That's hilarious. It's kind of funny, yeah. So Wolverine, not, you know, this is a double-sized annual, so he needs to give more than one lecture. He gives a lecture to Sunspot. <laughs> so he basically says, um, here, let's do a dramatic reading. You be Sunspot, I'll be Wolverine. You think this is a game, boy? I know the risks. I laugh at the danger. <laughs> Do tell. At least here, if I give my life, it's for a purpose. I will have meaning. Or it will have meaning. <laughs> and it won't back home? We're hated there. Wolverine. Or hadn't you know? <laughs> wow. Sorry, this print is so fuzzy. Let me do that again. We're hated there, Wolverine. Or hadn't you noticed? Oh, I see. Earth isn't good enough for you. Poor little muni fella, don't get no respect. I don't get no respect. And Asgard's different? Here, they know how to treat heroes. That what you're after, Bobby? The glory? Damn it, Bobby. No fun being a star if there's nobody to applaud. Slow clap. Very slow clap. Yeah. You've no right to talk to me that way. You're not my mother. I mean, father. True. I'm just a man doing my job. And you're a boy chasing a fool's dream. Aurora isn't here because she wants it. She was kidnapped. Same as you kids. And she no more belongs than you. The difference is you got a choice. I don't know why you even bother talking. I guess because I thought you were worth my effort. My mistake. It's your life, Sunspot. You're free to make any kind of mess of it you please. Aurora is who I care about and who I'm going to the wall for. And scene. Oscar nomination right there. <laughs> Wolverine rides the snake on that one, man. He goes back and forth. Tough love to... I give up. <laughs> no, the storm's my friend, not you. I'm going to go save her. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah, pretty much. But then I like a page later to Wolverine fighting the pain to go save Storm. But then he's decided, you know, after this, I just got to I gotta survive long enough to s save Storm and then I can die. Because the dragon blood is killing him. Poor Wolvie. Yeah. We also find out later that uh, Wolverine's lecture sunk in as Sunspot decides to join the fight and even says, Bub. Aww. <laughs> yeah. 
He gonna dye his hair blue and yellow. <laughs> he should. So on page thirty-eight, Thor Storm is pretty awesome. I yeah. love the colors on that too. But where's her other arm? It's down by her side. Oh well, what's the thing hanging out? That's her massive shoulder pad. <laughs> Hello, eighties. Yeah. Right. And then the last panels on page 39, I thought were greatness. So basically, after Thor Storm fries Wolverine, he kind of keeps, keeps kind of crawling towards her, just trying to get through to her. And she eventually kind of sees through Loki's deception. But that's just a really cool exchange, really cool art, really cool panels. It's just, it's a good page. So overall, I thought the art was pretty fantastic. Eh. You don't like it as much, I can tell. No. But, but this remind this first of all, it's very nostalgic for me. Arthur Adams was kind of considered one of the greats when I was first getting into comics. And, I don't know, it was just really cool to you see some. You drooled over all of his comic books. Yeah, it was just cool to see some of his really early work, or earlier work. I really enjoyed it. I gotta say, story, much more fun than I expected. I thought it was going to be really, really dumb. And there's definitely some dumb stuff in there. But there's also a lot of really good character elements. We have the whole storm being tempted by Loki to have her powers back and then turning it down. You have the X, some of the X-Men and New Mutants being tempted by Loki. Hey, oh, so I guess I, I, guess I did leave out one kind of important part. Uh, so when Loki sends, agrees to send them home, it's a package deal. He's like, if you all agree to go home, I'll send you home. But if one person stays, you all have to stay. So they all had really tough choices. Besides just losing their powers, like Wolf's Bane, or I'm sorry, Wolf Sabanya was going to lose her Wolf Prince lover. <laughs> like, she, if she wanted to stay there with him, but she couldn't. You know, Cannonball had a magic sword. Um, Storm had her powers. Everybody else had, like, all their Asgardian wish fulfillment. And they are going to lose it all. But only one person had to say no, and everybody was screwed. So I just really like kind of them all kind of arguing through that. Some of them saying, you know what, I need to give this up. And some saying, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to keep my friends here and making the sacrifice. I just thought there's really nice kind of character elements. Um, I will say, because we kind of have, in one episode, we kind of have two issues where Storm deals with the loss of her powers. And I, I didn't, the only thing I didn't like about this I really like storms, like the temptation and overcoming the temptation. But I kind of thought at the end of 198, she was kind of already resolved to be powerless. Yeah. And she's like, I don't really need them. I'm, I'm, I'm still, still storm. Good. Yeah, I'm still storm. I'm still Aurora with or without my powers. And then, but the first chance she has to get them back, she's like, ooh, I got to have my powers. So I thought that was maybe a tiny step backwards. But hey, that's not to say in real life when we make certain changes in our life that we don't fall back a little bit into what we wanted before. So I'm willing to, to forgive it a little bit. But yeah, overall, it was fun. Kind of had a little Princess Bride feeling to it to me. Yeah, it um, did. And yeah, I gotta say, for someone who, who historically didn't really like Asgard that much, uh, we've had a few stories here in a row where it kind of surprised me and how fun and entertaining it was. So maybe I'm coming around. Uh-oh. Don't tell Cameron. I'm glad he's not on this episode. Uh-oh. <laughs> but um, that's not to say I'm going to go buy all the old Thor comics, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, Giant Size X-Men Annual Number 9. What are you going to grade it? Four out of six. 
You sighed, but we're giving the same score. <laughs> well, I I wanted to give it higher because there were things I really liked about it, but it was so long. Well, it was an annual. Yes. It's a, key, it's a giant-sized annual. Yes. Maybe I should have broken it up into pieces. Oh, you know what? Were there, were there, usually the annuals have chapters, but I didn't notice any chapters in this one. No, there wasn't. Huh. Go figure. Anyway, yeah, so we're both going to give X-Men annual number nine Four out of six claws. All right, you ready to wrap up? Let's do it. Okay, so that's going to do it for this flashback episode, Wolverine, Year 12, Part 1. The first of two or three, I haven't decided yet, little excursions we're going to take with the X-Men between the first half of Secret Wars 2 and the second half of Secret Wars 2. Ooh. So, anyway, thanks, Denise, for... uh, Sitting in on the flashback episode. So you'll undo my chains now? Yes, you're free to go. I'm kidding. Run. I enjoy it. Run wild. But yeah, so hope you hope everyone else also enjoyed it, like Denise said she just did, though I'm not sure she meant it. <laughs> no, I really did. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't know what will be next. I will say, you may have noticed, putting this episode out a little early, but that's because I'm going to be on vacation. You're so, going to be on vacation? We're going to be on vacation. Thank you. Yes. And so the podcast that goes snitch will also be on vacation. Yes. And so when I get back, I don't know whether it'll be time for another flashback or another current Secret Wars update. We'll just kind of play by ear. Yes. Um, we're going to have fun in the Grand Canyon. Yes. I'm telling people where we're going. I mean, not maybe in the Grand Canyon, but around it. Around it. In the vicinity of it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, because you're not coming with us, dear listener. No. Unless you can shrink yourself and fit in my suitcase. Ant-Man. <laughs> Ant-Man, that's right. Oh, my gosh. So, we saw Jurassic World the other day, and we took Ethan, and the Ant-Man preview was on, and uh, <laughs> the part of the trailer... So, Ethan is just now... Like he hasn't played with them that much in probably a good year or so. Right. But I think he's finally at the point where he's actually a little bit too cool for Thomas to train now. Right. But for a long time, that boy ate, swept, and dreamt Thomas to train. Oh, yeah. Big and, time. And that part in X-Men, or I'm sorry, that part in the Ant-Man trailer. Yes. Where he's in the little model train set and like this big train's barreling down on him and the action's like super intense. And then they do the sharp pan out. And yes. you see the Thomas train just kind of go, pink. <laughs> like, Ethan lost his crap on that. He thought that was the funny. And admittedly, I almost did, too. I laughed pretty hard myself. But he thought that was so funny. That and was funny. so cool. And, yeah, I can't wait to see that movie. Which, who would have thought, man? I've never liked Ant-Man before. I think Ant-Man's the stupidest character around, but... With a stupid little helmet, but man, that movie was cool. Yeah, but I think, uh, quite honestly, it looks cool because, I'm sorry, I, I blanked out on the actor who's playing well, Yeah, I have a man crush on Paul Rudd, no doubt. I love Paul Rudd. But he makes fun of himself as Ant-Man. Yes, self-depreciating, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's that he's like... Or is it self-deprecating? I think I that's what know. I meant to say. Somebody says, and who are you? And they go, he says, Ant-Man. And he's like, <laughs> you name me. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I'm actually curious to see it. Yeah. Well, Marvel is kind of still in that do no wrong phase, so we'll, we'll see what they do. Well, let's see. Movie-wise, that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, as far as the podcast goes, please uh, leave an iTunes review if you want. 
Uh, like the Facebook page. Email us, snickcast at yahoo.com. Twitter, where all the fun is, is at snickcast. Let's see what else. Oh, if you're into show notes and stuff like that, snickcast.podbean.com. And um, until next time, hugs, hugs and, and snicks. snicks. Bye. Bye.